The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. We are looking for a regular human black bill. Do you believe in the resurrection? Welcome to the Freeland Gazette, the unofficial Black Lightning podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, PoppyChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, February 12th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, Black Lightning. Please welcome my co-hosts, Dimitri Wejasinger. What's good, Freeland? Professor X. Hello, everybody. And Rohan Mittal. Hello. All right, let's get into it, everyone. Let's jump into our recap of Season 2, Episode 13, which was titled The Book of Secrets, Chapter 3, Pillar of Fire, and aired on February 11th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Lynn works on two of the pod kids in a segregated safe room. Meanwhile, Jennifer plots revenge, and Jefferson receives some interesting news. Anissa makes a shocking discovery. Let's check in on the ratings. For the episode, Black Lightning was viewed by 960,000 viewers with a .3 in the demo rating. It was steady, which is good. Steady is the new normal. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to this episode. Uh, and let's start off with Dimitri, who is uh, hobnobbing with the cast. Uh, yeah, so first of all, shout out to Chris Williams and Crondon for, for coming through, representing in New York City. Uh, it was really dope seeing them at the PLE Live event. Um, I really loved this episode. I thought it was... I thought uh, we got to see Anissa's sensitive side for once. Um, there was a decent amount of action and a lot of uh, character development um, in, in ways that wouldn't be expected for certain characters. Um, I suppose we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people took some surprising turns and, uh, and it, it definitely was not predictable. I, I think I had a, a few expectations about where the plot was going after last week and turned out to be wrong on all fronts so props to the writers for keeping us guessing all right so dimitri's on the hype train rohan are you on it as well do you have your ticket um i do have my ticket because i thought this was another great episode uh as we are getting consistently from this show uh so i mean right now that's really all i have to say great episode uh well done black lightning doing it again and again all right, the hype train is chugging along. We're at the next stop, 
Professor X, are you uh, climbing aboard the train? Well, far be it for me to uh, try to derail a hype train. No, this was another excellent, excellent episode. Um, uh, yeah, everything that I just echo everything that everyone has said so far. All right, I like it. And Choo Choo, I am the conductor of the hype train. I, I am aboard it as well. It was a really good episode. It was not like an action-y episode, but it was a very good character-driven and plot-driven episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I loved the twists and turns as well, much like Dimitri did. So uh, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Black Lightning, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So let's see. Let's start off. Um, let's start off with like the normal part of the episode, which was sort of like the school dynamic, because everything else is kind of extraordinary because it's metahumans and uh, uh, secret pills and uh, searching for uh, lovers that are out there that you feel uh, might be in trouble. So, at the school, at Garfield High, uh, basically, uh, the, the video footage of Lowry's um, just, uh, uh, what's the proper term? Um, tantrum? Caucasity. Caucasity. The caucasity of it all uh, has gone viral. And uh, it's all over the place. Like, the kids are making fun of it. And, uh, I mean, it's an embarrassment for, for everybody. For the school and, and, of course, for the board. And we all know that the board uh, cares uh, about reputation and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, 
this gives Jefferson the opportunity, basically, to jump on in and, and and take everything back. We discussed this in, I believe, yeah, it was the previous episode, where we were like, you know, maybe at some point Jefferson's going to be principal again. And, and we were kind of talking about it, like, maybe by the end of the season or maybe even next season. But it seems like this is Jefferson's chance in this episode. You know, he can testify to the board and he can try to convince them, to persuade them, to reinstate him as principle and everything is sort of like working in Jefferson's favor you know it, it seems as if it's going there and that's where the writers are taking this storyline it seems like it is until it no longer seems like it is because there's Jefferson ready to basically say pick me choose me and he doesn't, because he starts thinking about the Black Lightning of it all, and he feels like, with him taking the mantle of Black Lightning again, he can't uh, give the Garfield kids the attention that they need. And so he ends up telling the board that Lowry should basically be principal so I've read a lot of different things online about this uh, some people liked it and some people felt like it really came out of left field uh, what did you all think uh, professor since, since you are uh, you're you're not a part of the school board but you are in, in the realm of academia what did you think of this did you think it was a convincing uh, turn for Jefferson to basically co-sign Lowry. Do you think it was uh, the right choice for the character and the storyline? Because it, it seemed as if they were trying to build the storyline up to Jefferson being principal again. And then it, it just fizzled. So uh, do you feel like there was a point to the storyline? And were you surprised that the offer of maybe vice principal, since... Um, it seems like nobody cares that Foudy's dead, uh, but, but she hasn't been replaced. So there is that position that's open as well. What did you think of this storyline in particular, Professor? Uh, you know, I found this one interesting. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the most important element, you know, in terms of long-term stuff. But I thought they handled it in a, uh, a very intelligent, mature way, which is that, you know, obviously, our expectation was that they'd realize that, you know, the white devil couldn't handle the job uh, and they should bring back uh, Jefferson. And um, they didn't uh, because, you know, Jeff basically said. And, and it was a really good point, you know, the realizing with all the stuff that he's got to do. I think he's and again, it's, it's a sign of the maturity. He's realizing that, you know, since he has taken on the mantle of being Black Lightning again, it's not something he can just give up. Um, and he's realizing the demands it's making on his life and on his family. And uh, while I don't I certainly don't agree with the decision. I think, you know, it I think in terms of story, it makes more sense. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, as the principal, he should be there. And he realized that and it shows that he does take his responsibilities very seriously. Now that said, I don't see why he couldn't have said, I can't do it, but neither should the white devil. So let me suggest someone else. Um, uh, it, it was a little annoying that, uh, that, uh, Lowry gets to stay because, you know, they have really just presented him as a complete asshat. And, uh, you know, with absolutely no redeeming qualities. Um, so I'm a little bugged by that. Um, now, that said, perhaps, you know, now that uh, Jeff has stood up for him, maybe 
you know, uh, Lowry won't see Jeff as as uh, as an opponent. And I think honestly, if you look at you know the the relationship between them, you know, because Jeff was the principal before him, uh, Lowry would always see him as a competitor, um, as the black Jesus to his, you know. Uh, white devil. Uh, so maybe now that uh, Jeff has stood up for him, maybe they can work together to, uh, to dare I say, uh, make it great again. Um, I doubt it. Just what we've seen of Lowry's character doesn't lead me to think that's part of their plan, but that would be my hope. I would like that, you know, there could be, uh, you know, uh, some chance of them working together in some way. Make Garfield great again. We're going to build a wall around Garfield. Good grief. Sorry, that was my attempt at a Rohan level humor. Um, Rohan, I heard you uh, maybe laughing at uh, the Rohanness of of my joke. Uh, you may go next. I didn't really buy Jeff's decision, and I feel like the reason why I didn't buy it is because of the way they've uh, handled Lowry. As Professor uh, said, as Professor Ark said, Lowry was kind of uh, he was. That he was the white devil, that he was just kind of a flat character with no real redeeming qualities. And I mean, I would agree with that. I think he's just, he's kind of a car- caricature and not an actual rounded character. And I feel like if had he been uh, a more well rounded character in some of his, uh, and was a little bit more subtle uh, with uh, some of his stuff in the previous episodes, I feel like uh, I would have bought Jeff. Uh, Jeff's decision uh, that way so I think it I think they handled Jeff well but everything with Lowry I think is where they kind of uh, stumbled yeah I, I think I like what the professor said like had he said you know maybe I I can't do this right now but he certainly can't either because it's like I get where Jefferson is coming from like he won't be able to really dedicate the time to be principal and, and to be a teacher and to be a mentor and to be black lightning and to be a father and, and that kind of thing. I get that but like you're co-signing with this man who clearly doesn't care about the kids at all like that bugged me about the decision at the end. Uh, you know, maybe they don't have enough money in the budget to cast a different principal or something. Might as well keep on the guy that we have at the moment. I don't know. But it just seemed really off at the end of it. Uh, his decision, his personal decision made sense. The, his decision for the school didn't really necessarily make sense to me. Dimitri, anything else to add before we move on away from Lowry? Well, um, I personally strongly opposed his decision i do totally understand why he's doing it but he is also a character who claims to always be thinking about what's best for the students and i am absolutely not sold that leaving them in lowry's hands is the best move for them i do totally see why he feels he can't do it but um i mean literally anybody else get henderson he looks like he's ready to quit the police force with all the I, you know what in my now. head I thought, I was like, why didn't he say Henderson or something? You know what, Anissa, why not? Oh, Anissa will deck a fool. I mean, start some ish on Anissa's watch. It'll be like, we're reinstating corporal punishment in this school. Um, but because I was fortunate enough to attend the, the Paley Lab event, um, Chris Williams did actually answer a question about, yo, why did your character just do that? 
And he said that basically, you know, his character is feeling overwhelmed. He's you, you can see that he's not even really fully present in that meeting with everything that's going on. And and he while he, you know, does think that he's ultimately the, the best choice to lead the school, he recognizes that he can't do that right now, which is basically the sentiment that that everyone here has echoed. So I, I still don't uh, don't see Lowry as a better choice, but I do certainly understand um jefferson's motivations for not wanting the job himself especially given that we also found in this episode that uh potential hit squad is after his family which you know always fun that is true that is true so let's see where are we going to go next uh well dimitri talk to me about uh yes yes we got a couple different things um I know that I keep on mentioning this, and who knows, maybe I'll have egg on my face at the end of this, and, and it is nothing, but it just seems so weird that they keep on putting it in the episode. Once again, we've got your, your new BFF, um, uh, <laughs> Tobias, chatting with his sister's portrait in the middle of the night, having like a yeah. full-on conversation. We've got Cutter... Yeah who's clearly shacking up with Tobias uh, again uh, with the, the negligee Apparently of it all. So. Yes, and, and the kisses of it all. And we have Tobias giving Cutter a message from Tori and that whole type of thing. Interesting. And Cutter is now back with, um, with Tobias romantically. We had a little bit of dialogue as to Apparently why so. she returned as to why he picked her to be the one to help him out and, and that kind of thing. What is going on yeah. here? What did you think? And am I crazy for thinking that there's something going on with Tobias and this painting? Um, well, first of all, for anyone who's ever complained about a late night, potentially desperate, drunken text from your ex, um... I'm pretty sure that it looks pretty good in comparison to a late night. I need you to kill this guy that I paralyzed and then unparalyzed and now was a former associate who has now run off with his girlfriend. Text from your ex. But um, that's happened to you often. I, I, yep. Uh, that's I. I think that it is very much a plot device, um, rather than you know uh, a jab at his sanity. Um, and I think Carter's reaction is sort of proof of that. You know, she's she's been, I think, a little hesitant with Tobias this whole time. Uh, obviously, these two have a history, and obviously it didn't end well. It ended badly enough that Tobias, being the person he is, felt the need to apologize for how it all went down. So I think if she was legitimately concerned about his sanity, you know, this would be the time to bring it up. But she's just like, are you talking to your portrait of your sister? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, uh. like, it doesn't seem to necessarily phase her, which I think is almost a, a writer's way of saying it shouldn't phase you guys either. It kind of is a convenient way to give us a look into his head, so to speak. Um, and I think the show does a great job of both giving us a look into his head and, you know, keeping enough back that he's still full of surprises, um, including being relationship material, which I would have never seen coming. Well, there you go. 
I'll open it up to the floor. Any other thoughts on Tobias, the painting, and uh, apparently our, our new ship, uh, Cutter Whale? Whale Cutter? I personally advocate for Toe Butter. Oh, Toe Butter. Like toe a Tofurky. Kinda, yeah. Moving right along, let's talk about... Let's talk about uh, Thunder Grace, is what they're called, correct? Yes, yes. So, we get a lot of... Uh, or I should say, we get some plot movement with this, because... Um, in the previous episode, Anissa noticed the eye change uh, of, of Grace, and at the start of this episode, Grace is MIA. Like, she has moved, uh, you know, she apparently she didn't get her um, her deposit back because she just left, uh, hightailed it out of there. She, she left some clothes and that kind of stuff, and, and there's a picture. And so she's, um, Anissa's trying to use... Uh, what little information that she has to try to find out where Grace is, maybe through her parents and that kind of stuff. And as she's uh, trying to search for Grace, she's opening up to her loved ones about Grace. Like there's this talk with um, with Jennifer. There's a talk with Uncle Gamby. Uh, let's see, uh, Rohan. I know that you you might not be as big of a Thunder Grace fan as Dimitri, but uh, I'll hand this over to you. What did you think of uh, Anissa in this episode and the little bits of info that, that she's searching for Grace? Um, I can tell you I hope that she finds her very quickly because uh, I like seeing Thunder Grace. Dimitri, you and I uh, would agree on that. Hell so, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do hope uh, they. I do hope she finds her because uh, I think the two of them have great chemistry on screen, and their scenes are uh, they. They're great. They enhance. Uh, they make the show like just that much better. Um, as for, uh, I will say though, did it was kind of a little stalkery where she went into her house and went into everything. I don't know if you guys felt that way. Yeah, quick uh, quick PSA on healthy relationship dynamics. If someone does ghost you, it is not okay to steal their clothes, steal their meds, steal, steal their, their drugs, family photo, yes. and run all of those against like criminal databases. Um, but we want Thunder Grace to get back together, so we, we will forgive you this time, Anissa. Yeah. Although, if you are worried, you know, maybe. Maybe it's okay. You know, I think it was wise of them to have Jennifer make the point that, you know, maybe she just, for whatever reason, doesn't want to see anymore. Which is, you know, the logical assumption. You know, as Dimitri said, you don't go to the person's apartment and break in. You don't assume that just because someone ghosts you that it's because they've been kidnapped or disappeared or anything like that. Um, that's, you know, and again, you can sort of, you know, in a comic book setting, okay, yeah, because there are all these bad people around, but in the real world, no, people leave because they've gotten tired of you or whatever. Um, and, so yeah, and that's... well, to some degree, we know that that probably is the case, right? Grace probably wasn't taken. We saw Grace get very scared at the prospect of meeting Anissa's family, um, and realized that she her emotions for Anissa are such that she can't always control her powers around Anissa, which, um, which 
you know put her in a in a very uh frightening situation so in all likelihood she did just dip on anissa and it kind of leads me to a question I, i was interested to get everybody's thoughts on do we think that anissa is convinced that grace is in danger or do we think that anissa is trying to convince herself that grace is in danger because she doesn't want to face face the far more painful prospect that grace doesn't want to be with her that's a good question Mm. i think it's probably more likely i think as far as anissa is concerned i think anissa is convinced that you know she's doing this because you know she's worried about her uh whether that is the truth or not i don't know i i don't know whether we would you know even get into that you know in terms of you know her character motivation it seems a little deep for a cw show but i think that is you know an interesting point i think you know as you said she's going about this all wrong but uh you know it's you know presumably because we all want thunder grace back uh we presume lead to you know uh them reuniting at some point and also the reveal i i feel like especially since anissa's like she basically said she loves her like this is the one like you don't know what's gone until it's gone and, and that kind of thing i hope that we get some sort of uh, actual conversation between both of them where they confess each other's secrets like i am thunder and i am a mutant or, or whatever i am a meta like you know i'm my face amazonian right she is, I think, yeah. It, well, in, comics, in the comics, yeah. in the I don't comics, think they're yeah. gonna go that route. I don't do think they're gonna be doing that. Yeah, they're gonna make her a meta. I don't know what her meta power is, cause like her face concaves. So I mean, <laughs> you know. Can I just broach an absolutely crazy idea? There's no way they're going to do this. But what if, uh, because uh, you know the uh, the pill was an uh, you know a uh, an anti schizophrenia medicine, a very strong one. Now presumably she's taking it because it has the side effect keeping her powers in check what if she doesn't have powers what if she just is a schizophrenic what if every time we see her skin turning it's because that's what she's seeing because she's schizophrenic i well, really problem... hope that's not the case well, no, i really I hope i'm grace. sure it won't be the case but wow wouldn't that be an interesting choice well not wait have, no you know, and the problem yeah she saw episode. her oh, eye wait. change colors oh that's right she didn't see the eyes change Good. that was yeah. the that would be the only hiccup but that would be really interesting that'd be very dark for her for I, that's what any I'm series i'm sure they wouldn't do that but you're right the fact that she did see her eyes change means uh yeah uh, i I gotta say, I do not want to see Black Lightning Fight Club, although it is an interesting theory. Oh, hilarious. That's funny. Could could this all be in Grace's head, this entire series? <laughs> We're all in a snow globe, y'all. Uh, that's so funny. Alright, uh, <laughs> that's too funny. So, let's get into the main plot of the episode. So, uh, we start off the episode with uh, Agent Odell basically filling Lynn on what's going on. We've been talking a lot about the Markovians uh, throughout the past few episodes, and and they're sort of like front and center in uh, this episode because apparently the Markovians have their own metahuman program, which which we knew about, but uh, they're trying to figure out how to make their... Uh, metas last it seems as if they're dying really fast and uh, because Lynn is very close to figuring out how to permanently revive the pod kids she's incredibly valuable to the Markovians with their illegal metahuman program 
And if they get to Lynn, or if they steal her knowledge, Markovia will, bam, become uh, this uh, super-powered state, basically. They'll have their own metahuman army. And so we've got that, and we've also got Tobias, who wants the pod kids as well. And so he has managed to acquire the, uh, what I guess they're calling the, the prison pod people. Um, say that fast, ten times in a row. And uh, with the help of Dr. Jace, uh, Rohan's favorite, uh, Tobias is able to revive one of them. Uh, a, a man by the name of Marcus Bishop who's been asleep for 25 years and he has these um, not vibe powers because we know what vibe powers are over on the flash but he's he can vibrate he can control I guess the the air around him and make it vibrate and, and that kind of thing I don't really know how it works but he can make things he can vibrate he's kind of, he's uh he can make he can vibrate there you go um let's see uh let's let's stop right here and uh professor what did you think of the introduction of these new metas and uh how do you like the storyline with markovia like uh, we've heard of markovia over on arrow so this is i guess black lightning's version of markovia i know that on um young justice they have markovia as well in in the new season if i'm not mistaken so what do you think of they do? Okay. So what do you think of this? And, and uh, do you like how this series in particular is trying to open the world up even more? Like, initially it was just Freeland. And, and then we got um, the, what was it, North Freeland, right? South Freeland? Freeland and South Freeland. Yes. So we got the other Freeland where the crazy stuff was going on. And now the world has opened up even more with now Markovia being added into the picture. Well, I'm not entirely crazy about it. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea, you know, Markovia is established. And yes, I find it a little confusing, though, because Markovia is playing such a role in Young Justice Outsiders that, uh, you know, every time they mention Markovia here, I have to reset because you do have, you know, these these parallel tracks going on. Um, the thing I le- really liked last season about uh, uh, Black Lightning was that it was, pun not intended, grounded. You know, it was uh, it was a family drama. It was, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't meta of the week. Uh, it was, you know, personal stories, even if it was, you know, fantastical settings and, and people in costumes and stuff like that. And I fear if they introduce the idea of the Markovians and hit squads and, you know, uh, Lynn being kidnapped by, uh, you know, uh, another country. Uh, and even with what they're doing in terms of, you know, now that, uh, uh, that Tobias has his hands on, you know, uh, all the pod kids, you know, basically he could, you know, set out a meta of the week, except he wants to sell them. So that's good. Um, oh yeah. That's so I'm, fantastic. Yeah. I'm a little bugged by, uh, you know, the introducing the Markovia thing. It, it just feels like that's more of a Supergirl thing. Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem the sort of thing that black lightning should be dealing with, you know, uh, basically, you know, having to go up against, uh, you know, another nation. It also sort of raises the question that if, you know, Markovia has had this, you know, metahuman, program for this long it seemed last season that 
you know, Metis had been a thing for a while and, and disappeared. Um, and so it seemed when Black Lightning came back that there weren't that many Metis out there. If, you know, Markovia had an entire Meta program, presumably other countries do too, does that mean that, you know, Black Lightning and, and, uh, uh, and Thunder and, and Jennifer aren't that special after all, if, if there's that many Metas out there? Um, so I'm not entirely crazy. I mean, I think the writers have earned a lot of goodwill from us, so we should trust them and see where they're going with that. But for me, it feels like a kind of odd step to take unless they're, you know, trying to open it up because they're thinking to themselves, you know, going beyond one season, two season, three seasons, uh, you know, uh, uh, that might make it, you know, uh, open up, uh, uh, new storytelling possibilities. Yeah, that is interesting. That That is a good point, especially if, if they were... Unless it's like a top-secret meta-type program, which I'm assuming is what it is, then, then maybe nobody knew about it except for the ASA. Uh, and they've been keeping their eye on them to make sure that they, they weren't successful. It seems like they, they aren't successful, so... Um... Well, but they did serve... It was either uh, Odell or, uh, or Jace was saying that, you know, the Markovians were actually using uh, their metas. Uh, you know, in war, and, and they didn't last long. Uh, so it does suggest that they, you know, this has been a thing. On the other hand, the guy true. had been frozen for 25 years, so um, maybe this was something that happened in the past, and, and, you know, Metas, you know, have sort of fallen into abeyance and are coming back now. And also, Jace left Markovia, and, and I feel like she was their key at uh, the program being successful, so maybe that's why it's also kind of fallen into the the dumps maybe yeah because she is uh, much older than she appears as has been established yes okay so continuing on with the storyline um so we're going to get into jennifer in a moment because i feel like we're going to get a lot of opinions on that uh so uh the a the asa ends up like turning off the pods of of, of these uh, the, the prison pods and that kind of stuff and and uh there's there's this whole chase throughout the episode about the pods and who's going to get the pods are the markovians going to end up getting the pods are are people going to get the pods is tobias going to get the pods and at the end of it all after um cutter and uh, the new guy end up like storming uh the the base basically uh tobias ends up acquiring all of the pods and he's got jace's help and everything and uh, we see the new layer for the pods uh, which um looked very creepy and um sort of almost like the sewers and that kind of stuff uh which was very interesting it certainly looked like a villainous layer and uh uh lynn although is able to wake up one of our people uh wendy who's wendy and uh, so so she's on uh, the side of the good. And, and uh, we also learned that uh, that the uh, the pod people that Lynn had were controllable through the briefcase. And the prison pod people are controllable via a watch, which I think uh, that stuff will be important later on uh, as well. And so now that Tobias has all of these pod people and Dr. Jace will be able to be there to help revive them and whatnot, he's going to be able to sell these metahumans uh, to the highest bidder, basically. And 
after all this, we thought he was going to end up being a big deal. Turns out he wasn't, because now that he's got everything that he needs, and he's got Dr. Jace, and he's got Cutter, and he's got the big-boobed uh, painting of Tori, he doesn't need Todd. So Todd was given a new car, and it went kaboom. So bye-bye, Todd. Yeah, he's extra crispy now. Yeah, that that threw me for a loop. I did not see that coming. Yeah, so Dimitri, continue on. What did you think of the, the developments of this storyline at the end? Apparently Tobias it has everything that he needs, except for Windy Wendy. And and Todd is dead. Yep. I mean, talk about boldness. I mean, you can't say Black Lightning isn't bold at killing people off. Like, it will kill people off at the drop of a dime which uh, kind of makes it seem as if at least for our recurring characters as if you know you never know if you're going to be in the next episode because you could die at the tail end or at the very beginning of, of, of said episode uh so dimitri take it away i mean we weren't hugely attached to todd right like he, well, he showed was up interesting. a few episodes yeah. ago uh some people you know some people said they liked him and he was certainly an interesting character I really thought they were going to explore that sort of uh, very one-way father-son dynamic that they clearly had. Um, Todd clearly was very much after Tobias's approval. Tobias clearly couldn't give a crap less. Um, it does seem unusually dirty given that, um, you know, Tobias sort of was heavily invested in Khalil and, you know, seemed like if Khalil hadn't, you know, stepped out, he would have trained him to, you know, handle things long term and sort of take Cyanide's place to some degree. And I was wondering whether Todd was sort of the next Khalil in that regard. But uh, I think I don't know if that was originally the intention and he changed his mind when Cutter came back into his life or if he was just like, you know what, this kid's uh, this kid's outlived his usefulness. But uh I really thought they were going to develop Todd's character a lot more. It it seemed uh, it seemed almost extra cold-blooded given that we, we hadn't really seen him this whole episode. And it's like, oh yeah, he's still here, except not for much longer. So uh, so yeah, I was I, that was one of the things that really threw me for a loop. I thought I had a definite idea of where Todd's character arc was going to go. And then they were just like, to be fair, it did... Um, add to Tobias's brutality without uh being predictable but I you know it was a genuine shock on my end yeah I was surprised about that as well was anyone else shocked about Todd going kaboom yeah I did not expect it at all and um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him I can't remember the, the name of the actor but I've been like I've liked this guy for a while now he was in Power Rangers. I think it's R.J. Siler, maybe? Yeah, that's, that's who he is. And yeah, he's in Power Rangers. He's also in um, Me and Oral and the Dying Girl. He was really good in that. Well, there you go. Okay, uh, rest in peace, Todd. Uh, something that I do want to reference, because it was a part of this storyline that I really, really liked. I love the Henderson-Gamby dynamic so much. They are fantastic together, and we really haven't seen them together before. I mean, besides um, when he, he found out that Gamby was A, alive, and B, working. 
with Black Lightning. Uh, so, I mean, they never really necessarily needed to be in scenes together. So the fact that we now see them in scenes together, and if they're going to be as magical as uh, what we saw here, I'm really excited for this. Like, I love their banter. I love uh, Henderson kind of being a bit of a wise ass. Like, oh, you know, you got a phone in your shoes. Like, I, I love that dynamic immensely. I don't know if anybody else really liked it in this episode. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I also just love how Henderson seems to like with each uh, episode after Black Lightning sort of brought him into the fold, he just perpetually looks like he does not get paid enough for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also like, uh, you know, the dynamic with Gambi that he has because he's, you know, a cop who's used to having to, you know, go through the process and not having access to all of Gambi's toys and stuff. So it allows you to sort of, you know, see things through a different set of eyes and also for Henderson to realize that this is a resource that he didn't have before. So I think it's good that he's taking advantage of that. I like it. Hopefully we'll see some more of that as uh, the season uh, progresses and heads to its uh, season finale. So let's talk about Jennifer. We got a lot of Jennifer in this episode. Uh, we got a lot of uh, hashtag choices from Jennifer in this episode. We start off the, the episode with Jennifer's powers getting tested in this... Um, I don't even know what you call that. Um, what was that? It was like um, it was like an orb where she was in, and it was like trying to measure her powers. Right? I don't even yeah. know how to describe it, but I guess that was probably the best way to describe it. And uh, it turns out that Jennifer, when she's not even trying, she's not even trying to do anything. It produces more energy than Jefferson did in his prime, <laughs> much to Jefferson's chagrin. And uh, it, it just, it seems as if uh, Jennifer is just immensely powerful. And uh, after talking with Anissa about Grace and, and just talking about uh, just the world, basically, and, and, and the, the bad stuff that's out there, uh, Jennifer decides to uh, go out into the streets and... Uh, do her best at uh, trying to find where Tobias is to enact her revenge for Khalil's death. And uh, she heads on down to where the 100 are, and, um, it, you know, she gets into trouble, there's a trap, but Jennifer, being who she is and being a little um, overpowered, dare we say, uh, overpowers the guys and throws them around does this whole thing of uh, whips with energy and that kind of thing and Anissa is able to get to her and uh, get her back to Gamby's uh, for safety so uh, uh, Jennifer did not find Tobias but uh, she did uh, cause a ruckus uh, while doing that and uh, we see at the the tail end of the episode, um, Jennifer going into her safe space in her brain, and Perenna's there. I was a little confused, though, because sometimes Perenna's there, and it's not Perenna. It's, it's uh, like um, Jennifer's safe space version of Perenna, so I don't, 
I don't well, know. they said they said Perenna came and took her home, right? Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. That is true. That is true. Okay. So Perenna takes her home, and, and then we see uh, Jennifer in her safe space with Perenna, and uh, Perenna drops a bomb. Like, it wasn't like a, a kaboom physical, like Todd, uh, rest in peace, but... Uh, I see what you did there. I know. But it was a fascinating bit of information that... Jennifer might be able to self-destruct if she doesn't control her powers, basically. So, um, there's that. I love how, you know, you tell that to, like, a teen. And, like, how are they supposed to react to that? I don't know. But let's ask our resident teen expert, Rohan. What did you think of Jennifer in this episode? Did you agree with her choices? And uh, what do you think it means, uh, what Perenna said to her? Um, I love Jennifer in this episode. I think uh, I think the whole thing about her being a walking nuclear bomb is kind of it's kind of cool. Uh, granted, it's kind of a trope that's been done in other things, but I like it. Um, but really, I like seeing Jennifer kick ass when she's going going to like Club One Hundred and. Uh, was it the mo? Did she also go to the motel from the pilot? I think that was one of the places she went. I believe out she to. did, yeah. Yeah, and um, just seeing her actual like fight, and I think this—I know this is not her actual suit, but the black suit, kind of like how Anissa wears, sometimes looks really cool. And there was also one shot where she's uh, shocking a guy in Club One Hundred, and then it's like a close-up of her face, and we see her glowing eye, and all the light is from the. Uh, from the lightning. So I'm really liking Jennifer in this episode. She, I mean, you know, it's cool to see her be uh, really badass. And as for the choices she's making, I feel like if I was in her position, I'd probably do the same thing because, um, I mean, obviously just emotions. So you're confessing even more. So you would go out and you would search for somebody to kill. How... No, I was so gonna make. It. I was about to say how very Liam Neeson of you. Yeah, I, I I was expecting you to say that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hashtag you know, controversial. She's, like destructible. So. And she's yeah. So. Well, there's that, uh, Professor. You've had a, an interesting relationship with Jennifer. On occasion, you, you really do approve of her, and, but sometimes you do feel like she she can be um, a teen. What did you think of Jennifer in this episode? Uh, well, it, you know, I, I I largely agree with Ron. I think while I I found you know uh, what Jennifer did to be you know petulant and annoying and stupid. In other words, it's exactly what a teenager would do, and I think they set it up beautifully when uh, you know uh, Jefferson was talking with Gamby. Uh, when uh, Jennifer was being tested and said, you know, basically, so you're saying my hot-headed 16-year-old daughter is all of this, and then gives her the really weak thumbs up, which was the funniest moment in the episode for me. Um, But, I mean, they have established that, you know, Jennifer is not a strategic thinker. Jennifer will make mistakes. Jennifer is brash and impetuous. You know, does she remind me of another brash, impetuous, sometimes annoying character on another DC TV show? Perhaps. Um, 
but as I said, they've established this is her character. So everything she's doing fits into her character. So while I may be frustrated that she went after these guys and fell into such an obvious trap and by all rights should have been killed. Uh, you know, if it hadn't been for the uh, the Deus Ex Machina of Thunder just happening to hear the report and show up while she was lying there about to get shot, uh, she would have died as a result of her actions. So, um, but, you know, her doing that doesn't really bother me because they've established this is her character. This is who she is. So, as I say, I don't mind when people do dumb things because it's part of their character. I mind when they do it for story purposes uh, rather than for character purposes. But this is the Jennifer that we come to know and love. So, you know... I don't think anyone expected she would do anything other than this. And by the way, it makes it, it, it establishes why, you know, uh, Jeff and Lynn were probably right to keep her locked up and not to trust her because she's demonstrating she's not worthy of trust. She is, again, a 16-year-old girl. Well, there you go. Um, okay, that was interesting. And wait, shots fired. Gasp. Did you just compare Jennifer to Nora West Allen? Uh, powered, impetuous... People who rush in, do stupid things, get in trouble, and screw things up for other people. Yeah, I think I just... Yeah, but Jennifer's actually I'll good. I'll that. Oh my gosh, there's no one as bad as Nora West Allen. I mean, I will stand no, up no, for Jennifer no. a little bit. No, 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 I mean, bit. Nora West Allen is, is, A, she's got a few years on Jennifer, so oh, yeah, she's a little she more like, grown. Yeah, and she's B, 35, uh, and she's acting like she's stupider. 12. But Jen, if she doesn't, you know, watch out... Oh, she'll know, end up like her. Yeah, yeah. She spends like possibly a even few worse years though because making... she's more powerful. True, oh, yeah. true. Yeah, I think Nora is sort of is sort of sheltered by her incredible mediocrity, which Derpiness. Jennifer will not suffer from for much longer. Ah, uh, good grief! <laughs> I love how we're throwing shade at Nora West Atwood. <laughs> not even the Flash sucks. podcast. Rohan, you don't care for Nora West Allen either. You, did you call her a hot mess? No, I said she sucks. Oh, okay. Well, that's worse than a hot mess. As a long-time fan of The Flash, I concur. Well, there you go. Um, Shout-out to Jessica Parker Kennedy. We love you, Jess. Your character, though. Um, Anyway, back to Black Lightning. Yes. Any additional thoughts from you, Dimitri, about uh, Jennifer? Um... I felt this uh, particular um, demonstration of uh, stupidity was magnified by the fact that her sister had literally just told her that she would help her. So, yeah, maybe Jeff is not on board, but Anissa was like, I won't let you go out there alone. You know, I've got your back. We'll come up with a plan. We'll take Tobias down. She's like, I got to go handle something real quick. I'll be back in a little while there's cash and food if you need it and jennifer is like well i can't wait a few minutes for my revenge so i'm gonna go be hella stupid right now i need my revenge now i like it's one thing if the whole family was like look we're not gonna do anything right now we all need to lay low that would still be a colossally stupid decision on jennifer's part but it would make her decision slightly more sympathetic but this was absolutely unnecessary going in there solo like that first of all i do one thing i will shade the writers for is that it's very inconsistent in terms of uh how much control jen has on her powers she's gone from i don't know what i'm doing to i'm basically storm 
in like the span of a few episodes and so that's a little unrealistic for me but also this was so unnecessary she basically came to within an inch of dying because she was storm until she realized if she uses too much she passes out and if anissa hadn't come to get her that would have been the end of her um and it it's just it is it's astonishing to the point where like it doesn't even make sense because you have a sister who's extremely supportive and much more on your side than i think any normal and to some degree responsible sibling would be in this scenario and you still insist on you know going off lone ranger it's it's almost like you know when she ran off with khalil we could be like she's in love you know if the whole family was you know against it we could be like oh she's frustrated with her family we're running out of excuses for uh jennifer's ancient decisions at this point i feel well uh, yeah but that's sorry no um, i think that's go, go, what go, go ahead. siblings are like yeah i think uh, rohan we're on the same page like she's a teen i mean she's supposed to be slightly impet what's the proper word um impatient and uh like i didn't I didn't really mind the decisions because she's a teen, so I, I can kind of explain it away because of that. What I did uh, find bothersome was what you stated about her powers. And because, like, sometimes she's good at it, sometimes she's bad, sometimes she doesn't know. I feel like the, the, um, they did figure out a way to fix the OPness of her powers in, in this episode. But I'm kind of wondering if the inconsistency in her powers is on purpose because, and I could be mistaken, so if anybody here knows about the comics, you can correct me. I think in the comics, she's not the master of her powers. Like, she, I don't want to say bumbling, but, like, um, she's she's not the best at using her powers. And so that's what uh, works in the comics. Like, she, she might be really powerful, but she still doesn't really know how to use them. And if they do that on the show, I think that would make the most sense. Although sometimes, like, her, like, oh, okay, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to try that. Like, it, it does seem a little weird that they um, conveniently have her figure out something new uh, whenever the plot needs it. Like, uh, you know, just, I'm remember, remembering the, um, the sequence in the hospital when, you know, she was like, oh, okay, let me just electrocute this and it'll work or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. I do believe, um, in the comics, she does not have full control of her powers. I, that's sort of what bugged me about this. I, I feel like a few episodes ago, that's exactly what the show was doing. And now, She's like, you know, storm level, like absolute control of her power. She can electrocute that guy. She can electrocute that guy. Um, she can sort of moderate the amount of pain she's causing. She sort of slowly ramps it up on the first guy. She obviously ODs on the last guy. But um, it's like we never saw her truly master her powers. But now it seems like she's almost the master of her powers. Um, even something as simple as jefferson's like all right use 50 percent, and she uses 50 percent. it's like a while back she couldn't use a computer without frying it and that was you know a few episodes ago that wasn't like a season ago so it's um that sort of jump sort of uh gives me pause a little bit and i i do not want her to be like such a ridiculously powered character that you know it makes the show boring um, I will say 
that's kind of a struggle that most of the Arrowverse shows I've had. I mean, hell, in Arrow, Laurel took like three boxing lessons and became a superhero. So, I mean, so it's kind of something that I've come to expect because it's in all the other shows, people are becoming superheroes very rapidly. So um, I kind of give it a pass there. Well, not even no, that. I, they sometimes have the problem of overpowered characters. Like, speaking of Supergirl, Martian Manhunter should be incredibly powerful, and they, like, neuter his powers based off story. And, uh... How? That's kind of what I'm worried about with her. Like, they're gonna get her really powerful, and then all of a sudden they're gonna figure out a way to sort of, like, neuter her powers, and, like something that she should be able to do she's not going to be able to do you know yeah i mean i think uh sort of what what keeps that from happening in the comics is that you know jen has the potential to be more powerful than any character but she can't on command be more powerful than any character um and i I think that's a good balance for the show because otherwise basically why do you need jeff and and thunder um but uh but like you know, I feel if they're just like, oh, Jennifer can do this now. Jennifer can do this now. Then it seems like it's sort of like the the Laurel Lance phenomenon. Like she just needs a little bit of training, and then she'll be able to, you know, electrocute all ten bad guys at once. And you know, the action scenes will be very brief from here on in. Well, saves money with the, the overall budget for the season. <laughs> Uh, good grief. Uh, talk about a great fight scene. I loved uh, Cutter with uh, with the guy. I thought that was really good. And, and I loved uh, her reaction. Like, you just, you're, it took you a long ass time to, to, to press that damn watch. And, and he clearly was deliberately taking his time, too. You get a quick shot of his face, and he's just smirking, like, watching those two go at it. And it's like, uh, even even with the person he you know quote unquote loves, he's uh, he's willing to let some harm come to her just so he can see the full value of his merchandise. I think that's you know Tobias Whale in a nutshell. Pretty much. So anything else? Any other small scenes or any anything else in the storyline for this episode that stood out to any of you before we head into the MVP? All right. So now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? Uh, if someone has already mentioned the character that you are going to choose, you must select a different one. So that means no repeats. And uh, we'll start off with, uh, let's start off with the professor. Uh, I'm going to choose Cutter. Um, we got to uh, see her using her power. We some since she definitely has a telekinetic control of her knives. We see that she's just as good with a gun as she is with a knife. What I found most interesting about Cutter, though, was you know, and we also got to see her giving you know the the side eye to uh, to Tobias when he was talking to his uh, sister's painting. But what I find most interesting was that final scene with her, where you know Tobias comes in, she's sitting at his desk with her feet up, you know, drinking a scotch. And it, it's a subtle thing, but she killed off Todd without asking permission, which I think is is significant. And it makes me. There was a couple of times looking at Cutter's reactions where I wonder whether Cutter is playing her own game in this. Ooh. And uh, I'm just I was wondering actually whether, wondering that too. I think that's yeah, a really good point. 
they shot that a couple of things and you know she's getting rid of Todd she's you know removing that she's putting herself in a position where she's closer to uh, to Tobias um, as I say I, I'm wondering whether we're going to find out the cutter is playing a longer game also um, the, you know if you're looking at the uh, the opening title card it's cutter mm-hmm. so she's obviously you know you know on some level the most important person I would think in this current book that we're talking about so I just feel like there's a lot more going on that we don't quite know yet that is interesting I did notice the cutter uh, image as well and it's the book of secrets so maybe she's got yeah. a secret I mean I noticed when it first came out I thought maybe they were going to change it each time but nope for each book it's it's still cutter which means we need to believe that just like you know it was Jen last time and uh, and that book was about uh, Jen uh, coming into her own um, I think this one's going to be about, so now that said, it's probably, I think each book's only about three or four episodes, so, uh, it may not last that long, but yeah, I, I think they're definitely setting up something or we're at least supposed to suspect something. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if Cutter takes out Dr. Jace next. Stay tuned. So Cutter is off the table, a, an excellent choice by the professor. Let's see. Uh, Dimitri, who's your MVP? Oof. Uh, I know I've given it to her a few times in the past, but I got a shout out Anissa Pierce, mainly because we got such a convincing, sensitive side from what has uh, what we've seen is uh, traditionally a very uh, rugged but also a stubborn um, character, uh, someone who hasn't really shown a lot of emotion. Um, we see her step out on Grace um, early this season. We see that she she kind of stepped out on her last girlfriend uh, last season, truth be told, and she clearly wasn't too too cut up about the breakup there. So um, it, it's definitely out of character for Anissa to be this in her feelings. Um, and yet that, that opening episode where she's crying, where she's going through Grace's stuff, like, I mean... I'm not saying I cried too, but um, you almost did. The the cinematography was certainly a little blurry at times. Um, poor camera work, clearly. Um, so I I do think that you know this uh, Nafisa Williams is an actress who's given us a very convincing portrayal of a character who's a certain way, and she had to sort of maintain that authenticity, but show us a very vulnerable side of that same character. And I think she pulled it off magnificently. That was a, a really emotional scene. Um, and, you know, I, I think it, it furthers the the Thunder Grace love for all of us. So, Anissa Pierce, Nafisa Williams, you're doing a good job. Did Tobias Whale hand you a two at the Paley Fest when you were crying? I, I wanted to ask, but uh, I'm very attached to my spine. Well, there you go. Since, uh, listeners, he was sitting directly behind him, which uh, is pretty damn awesome. So uh, two great choices for MVP. Rohan, what about you? Um, I'm going to give it to Jennifer. Like I said, I really liked her uh, plotline, and I feel like it was very within her character, and it was a lot of fun to see her kick ass. I know she's learning quickly, but uh, personally, I had fun with this, so I thought it was okay. Okay. All great choices, and you horrible people. That was like my top three. <laughs> like, literally. Although, um, um, Dimitri did not say uh, 
I mean, Anissa always looks good, but I loved how she looked when she was in the lightning cave when she was talking to Uncle Gamby about Grace. The hair, the outfit, everything was on point. She looked gorgeous. Um, facts on facts. Yes. Uh, good grief. Um, you know what? Because I gave him a little bit of love, uh, I'll, I'll give it to Henderson. Um, I liked him in the episode. In particular, uh, for me, what stood out was the scene with Gamby. I'm trying to remember, where was he in the rest of the episode? Um, was he in the rest of the episode? I can't remember now. Not really, I don't Not really, think. yeah. Well, I'm going to give it to him because of that scene with Gamby. I, I just, I like what Damon Gupton is doing. Uh, I know it was referenced by one of my co-hosts how, um, you know, just sort of like, I think it might have been you, Dimitri, where, um, you know, how uh, accustomed he's getting to, to this new Black Lightning world. And um, I, I, that scene stood out for me for some reason. Maybe it's because they, they usually don't pair the actors up together. And uh, so I'll give it to him. But uh, to be quite honest, uh, I feel like uh, my co-host got it right with the three MVPs because that was my top three list right there. So uh, now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 electrical bolts? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted electrical force field uh, just uh, you know make sure you know how to use it so you don't pass out uh let's start off with rohan um i'm gonna give it a nine i thought it was a very very good episode uh and the only reason i'm giving it a nine is because of the handling of i'm blanking on his name but who's the principal oh lowry lowry yeah um i thought that whole thing was very poorly done Alrighty, so we've got a 9 from Rohan. Dimitri, what about you? 9 as well. I thought it was a fantastic episode. I'm docking a point simply because the Jennifer storyline was predictable. It was the moment Anissa said, don't go nowhere. I was like, she's going somewhere. And then um, I knew there would be consequences. So I kind of saw the trap coming. And then I knew that she wasn't going to die. Um, so I kind of saw like Anissa rescuing her in the nick of time. So minus one for the predictor, the predictable nature of, of that particular storyline, but everything else I thought was phenomenal. I really loved this unexpected character chemistry with Gamby and Henderson, um, really loved, uh, Anissa's, you know, sort of pursuit of grace and, you know, sort of explaining that to Gamby, um, I thought Jefferson had some very interesting character development here, as did Tobias. So, yeah, great episode. Just, Jen, get it together. Okay. Professor, what about you? Well, I'm not one to stand against peer pressure, so I'll I'll also give it a nine for much the same reasons. You know, uh, it, it wasn't a perfect episode. Uh, the Lowry stuff left me uh, a little cold, but I loved the cutter development. Um, and... Uh, yeah, uh, as I said, the, you know, some offsetting things. Uh, you know, it kept it from being, you know, one of the all-time greats, but it was still a very, very solid episode. And uh, I guess I will join the Nine Club as well, because I feel like th that truly is the, the appropriate number for the episode. It, it was a good episode. I liked uh, the character development throughout the episode. I didn't mind the Jennifer stuff. I felt like it was appropriate for her character, so um, it made sense for her, and, and I thought it was perfectly fine 
for her. Uh, the thing that bugged me is, is what everyone has pretty much said that's bugged them. The Lowry stuff was very odd, um, and uh, and also the Todd death was very odd as well. Like, we've had sort of sudden deaths on the show before. I mean, I'm still praying in my heart that Lady Eve is out there as, like, a like reanimated corpse or something, because um, she was just so fantastic. But, uh, like, Lady Eve, Lala... Uh, cyanide, Foudy, these deaths on Black Lightning sort of happen quite randomly, and it seems like we don't get as much as we would like from the character, as much uh, character development or information, and then all of a sudden the character is gone, and um, unfortunately Todd kind of falls into that pack. And uh, I don't even think that was maybe even the actor in the bar. Like, because we always saw was the hand. And so that could have been anybody. That could have been, you know, stunt double number five or something. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that was a little bit uh, of a disappointment, especially since they were building up the character and his, um, his enthusiasm for the, like, black market game or the underground criminal syndicate game was um, slightly disturbing. So I was hoping that they were going to go that route and, and, and maybe make him um, even more corrupt and, and maybe even trying to take the throne from, um, from Tobias. So I, I guess that's going to stay fan fiction in my head because he's dead. So, um, so the Todd death and um, the uh, Lowry stuff uh, brought the episode down a little bit, but it was still a solid hour. So um, I agree with the nines. So, uh, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Freeland Gazette. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Freeland Gazette. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Freeland Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, Freeland, and a special congratulations to the Black Lightning cast and crew. The show, I believe it's official, is getting a third season, so props to everybody. We're looking forward to it. And a programming note, uh, if you didn't stay tuned uh, to the the promo at the end, uh, Black Lightning will be off for the next two weeks. Uh, The next new episode will air on Monday, March the 4th. So we will return on Tuesday, March the 5th with a new podcast. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Freeland Gazette every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio archives. Good night. (laughs) 